0: Welcome to Misty 101 Podcast. We hope that you enjoy this episode of our podcast. Russia shells Mirapal Mosque where dozens of people were sheltering from fighting. The mosque of Sultan Suleiman the Magnificent and his wife Rakh Solana, Harim Sultan, in Mirapol was shelled by Russian invaders it said in a tweet. More than 80 adults and children are hiding there from the shelling, including citizens of Turkey. It did not say if there were any people killed or wounded. The Ukrainian embassy in Turkey said a group of 86 Turkish nationals, including 34 children, were among the people who had sought safety in the mosque. Moscow has denied targeting civilian areas in what it calls a special military operation in Ukraine. Ukraine has accused Russia of refusing to allow people out of Mariupol where a blockade has left hundreds of thousands trapped. Russia blames Ukraine for the failure to evacuate people. Meanwhile, Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky also accused Russia of kidnapping the mayor of Melitopol, a port city in the south of Ukraine. He described the abduction a new stage of terror. U.S. officials had warned before the invasion of Russian plans to detain and kill targeted people in Ukraine. Mr. Zelensky himself is believed to be on that list. Russian billionaires £443 million superior seized in Italy as part of global oligarch crackdown. The Sire yacht is owned by billionaire Andrei Melnichenko, 50, who made a fortune in fertilizer production and coal. The vessel was seized on Friday evening. Designed by Philippe Stark and built by Nobis Grug in Germany, the vessel is the world's biggest sailing yacht at 143m in length. Footage shows police cars approaching the triple-masted yacht and officers boarding it. Italian authorities last week seized £120 million in luxury yachts and villas belonging to Russian billionaires in picturesque retreats such as Sardinia the Ligurian coast and Lake Como as part of sanctions against oligarchs linked to Vladimir Putin. A statement from the official journal of the European Union described Melnichinko as belonging to the most influential circle of Russian business people with close connections to the Russian government. It added, on 24 February, 2022, in the aftermath of the initial stages of Russian aggression against Ukraine, Andrei Igoevich Melnychenko, along with other 36 businesspeople, met with President Vladimir Putin and other members of the Russian government to discuss the impact of the course of action in the wake of Western sanctions. The fact that he was invited to attend this meeting shows that he is a member of the closest circle of Vladimir Putin and that he is supporting or implementing actions or policies which undermine or threaten the territorial integrity, sovereignty and independence of Ukraine, as well as stability and security in Ukraine. A spokesperson for Melnichinko said the businessman had no relation to the tragic events in Ukraine and has no political affiliations there is no justification whatsoever for placing him on the EU sanctions list. We will be disputing these baseless and unjustified sanctions, and believe that the rule of law and common sense will prevail. It comes after Roman Abramovic was sanctioned by the UK government. The Chelsea football club owner is one of seven more Russian oligarchs who have had sanctions placed on them by ministers in response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. A government document announcing the move said that Abramovic has had a close relationship for decades with Putin. The UK is the first nation to sanction Abramovic, who has been described by the government as a pro-Kremlin oligarch. The government has now sanctioned more than 200 individuals and entities. Russian minister's stepdaughter has life of luxury in £4 million Kensington flat. One of Vladimir Putin's top cronies' stepdaughter has reportedly been living a life of luxury at a £4 million flat in Kensington. The Russian Foreign Minister, Sergey Lavrov's 26-year-old stepdaughter named Polina Kovaliva is understood to have lived in England for a number of years. Details of Polina's residency were revealed by Russian activists with campaigners calling for her to be sanctioned as a close relative of Lavrov reports, the Mirror. The Russian foreign minister is a key ally of Putin's and acts as the country's mouthpiece on the international stage. According to The Times Lavrov is said to be the unofficial husband of Polina's mother Svetlana Polyakova. Polina's Kensington home was allegedly bought outright for £4.4 million when she was just 21 years old, according to land registry documents. Roth and Polina's mother is thought to have been in a relationship together since the early 2000s. At Polina's snazzy award-winning Kensington development she can make use of a swimming pool, gym, spa, cinema, golf simulator and games room. Kovaleva currently shares the apartment with a man believed to be her partner who has a 10% stake in an investment firm that she runs. Meanwhile her mom Polyakova owns a £5 million apartment in Moscow and accompanies Lavrov on all his foreign trips, according to FBK, the anti-corruption foundation run by the jailed opposition leader Alexei Navalny. London is not the first UK base for Kovaleva, who studied at a private boarding school in Bristol and went on to earn a first class degree in economics with politics at Loughborough University. She then turned to the capital for her masters in economics and strategy for business at Imperial College London. Her impressive education has been followed by a role at Russian energy giant Gazprom working with mergers and acquisitions followed by a job at mining company Glencore. Kovaliva's connection to Lavrov was revealed by FBK investigator Maria Pevchik. On Thursday, she urged for the stepdaughter and her family to be sanctioned. Polina's biological dad isn't super rich. She doesn't have an oligarch husband but at the age of 21, she bought this apartment in London on Kensington High Street for £4.4 million, she said. Pevchik told how Kovaliva’s only financial source is her mother who is unemployed and happens to be Lavrov's informal wife. She called it a textbook example of unexplained wealth and said that the property can be legally seized. Lavrov gave numerous speeches about the evil Anglo-Saxon world and the awful liberal Western countries who want to destroy Russia and Ukraine, she added. So why on earth does his stepdaughter live in the centre of London? Why not in Crimea or Donbass, why doesn't she move there? It's unclear if Kovaliva is currently in London. Kovaleva's social media presence vanished shortly after Russia invaded Ukraine on 24 February, with her accounts deleted. Google Maps Camera Catches Couple Caught Having Sex on the Hood of a Car Here's another oddity to add to the growing list of weird things spotted on Google Maps, a couple were caught out having sex on the hood of a car by the Google cameras. The pair were seen on Duke's Highway in Keith. South Australia as the van drove by. While it's impossible to say whether or not the pair were having sex for real, or merely posing for the cameras after spotting the van, it's not something you see every day on Google Street View. The images were initially taken in 2013, but have now been rediscovered on the subreddit r forward Google Maps shenanigans. I found where these images were from wrote the original poster U forward slash duc zero munity, pointing out their location on Dukes Highway. Reddit users were quick to comment, saying, LMAOI must have driven past that spot eight to nine times driving between Adelaide and Melbourne. At least they were being safe and pulled over, another said. No shame, one more added. It's not the only strange thing to crop up on Google Maps recently. The internet was left baffled last month after someone came across what appeared to be a child stuck in a bin. The discovery was made by TikToker at the Earth guy who has posts screen recordings of his findings on Google Maps for his 1.1 million followers. Other users sometimes challenge him to find unusual things including a T-Rex and a giant rubber duck in the sea. Google Street View users also stumbled across what appeared to be Mexican cartel members wearing creepy masks online, and it's one of the most terrifying things we could ever imagine seeing on the road. Four men with their faces obscured are seen standing on a road in Moctezuma, which is found in the state of Sonora. Robbie Williams says he and his family don't live anywhere after selling all of their properties. Robbie Williams has revealed that he currently doesn't live anywhere after selling all his properties. The singer said that he and his wife Ada Field, whom he's been married to for 11 years, haven't got an abode right now during a radio interview. We're actually nowhere he told Australian DJs Kyle and Jackie O, adding. We've pretty much sold everywhere. Williams continued, We don't live anywhere and we're trying to figure it out. The rock DJ singer previously lived in Wiltshire with Field and their four children, Theodora, nine, Charlton, seven, Colette, three and Beau two. He sold the house for a reported £6.75 million in January. Speaking about his children, Williams said, The four kids are constantly a Rubik's Cube puzzle that we're trying to sort out because if they are schooled then they don't see me because I'm all over the place and if they are homeschooled then they have another set of things that are a problem. Williams, who splits his time between the UK and US, also addressed rumours that Canadian rapper Drake purchased one of his properties for £35 million, stating. If it was true I would have signed a non-disclosure agreement with any Canadians that it happened with. The singer is currently shooting a biopic of his life, titled Better Man, in Australia. For a narcissist it's a wonderful project because it's all about me and my life he said of the film, which is being directed by the greatest showman's Michael Gracie. Williams will play the older version of himself with another iteration of the singer set to be played by ACGI monkey. Biden putting rest of us in danger with ludicrous Ukraine message don't tell enemy. The rear admiral accused Joe Biden of showing his hand to Vladimir Putin by announcing the US Army would not intervene in Ukraine. Chris Parry did not question the failure to commit troops but denounced the announcement of Mr Biden's position for losing the United States and its allies the advantage of the element of surprise. Speaking to LBC, the rear admiral said, one thing you never do is tell your enemy about your intentions. It's crazy, I'm afraid they did it in 2014 under Obama, they said there'd be no military response. Even if you don't intend a military response, you've got to keep your enemies guessing. To have the world's leading superpower led like that is disgraceful. It puts the rest of us in danger. Mr. Parry branded Joe Biden's blunder as ludicrous and accused him of playing in the hands of Vladimir Putin and Xi Jinping. Bye-bye to the Big Mac, Russia's war heralds a dark, isolated economic era. The big Western brands showed Vladimir Putin how to do it. While the Kremlin's army was getting bogged down in Ukraine, Coca-Cola and Starbucks lost no time in closing their doors to Russian customers. But the most emblematic move of all came from McDonald's, which has shut all 850 of its outlets in Russia. The availability of Big Macs in the Soviet Union was seen in 1990 as evidence that the West's old Cold War foe was turning its back on communism, but the past fortnight has rekindled memories of the bad old days. There were queues outside McDonald's when it first opened in Moscow. Last week, Russians queued for one last burger before the pullout began. One of Putin's predecessors in the Kremlin-Lenin once said there were decades when nothing happens and weeks when decades happen, and that's true of the period since Russian troops moved across the border into Ukraine on 24 February. It is not just that Russia faces a brutal recession. It is the shattering of the idea of a seamless post-Cold War global economy. It is the return to days of higher defense spending in the West. It is the possibility that governments may backpedal on their net-zero carbon pledges. Putin has created his own worst nightmare, says Mohamed Elerian, chief economist at Alliance and president of Queens College, Cambridge. He has united the West in a way it hasn't been for a long time, he has been the catalyst for arms to Ukraine on a large scale, he has changed Germany's approach to military spending and he has brought the Russian economy to its knees. It is incredible. Symbolism in politics and international relations is important. What does this signal? It signals back to the USSR. John Locke, Chatham House. Freezing the bulk of Russia's reserves has meant the central bank has struggled to shore up the ruble, which has plummeted by a third on the currency markets. Capital controls have been introduced, interest rates have more than doubled, and annual inflation is heading for 20%. The stock market has been closed and financial markets fear Moscow may default on a sovereign debt repayment later this week. John Locke, an associate fellow of the Russia and Eurasia program at Chatham House who in his previous role at NATO during the mid-1990s was the alliance's first representative to be based in Moscow, says, the middle classes are going to be very badly affected by the lack of access to foreign holidays, gadgets, and nice food things they are used to but are now going to dry up. Symbolism in politics and international relations is important. What does this signal? it signals back to the USSR. Analysts warn of the sharpest annual decline for Russia since the collapse of the Soviet Union, as the exodus of Western capital, technology and know-how draws a 21st century iron curtain around the Russian economy. Bank of America forecasts a plunge in gross domestic product of 13% this year a bigger hit than the pandemic or the 2008 financial crisis caused. The West's sanctions have turned Putin's Russia into a North Korea-style pariah state, but the tough measures will have consequences for a fragile global economy still recovering from COVID-19. It may only be the world's 11th biggest economy, with a shrinking population and fewer links to global supply chains than China but Russia's status as the world's biggest exporter of natural gas and the second biggest exporter of crude oil means it punches above its weight. Russia accounts for just over a quarter of EU oil imports and 40% of gas, a figure rising to 65% in Germany and 100% in some Eastern European states. For the US, the exposure is not so great, it is the world's biggest producer of oil. With a vast internal market, and just 7% of its oil imports come from Russia. For Germany, gas deliveries started in the late 1960s, as a product of the ostpolitik agenda of former leader Willy Brandt, who wanted closer trade links between West Germany and the East as a way of overcoming tensions with the Soviet Union. Throughout her 16 years in power, Angela Merkel remained committed to imports, including the development of the now-halted Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Germany's energy dependence only grew when the country scaled down nuclear production as part of coalition agreements between Merkel's Christian Democratic Union and the Greens. This whole legacy of Ostpolitik has been turned on its head says Locke. What we're seeing now is going to be a transformation. The EU's commitment to dramatically reduce energy dependence on Russia goes to the heart of it. It is unlikely, though, to be a smooth process. With the world seeking alternative energy sources, commodity strategists at Bank of America estimate that less than half of Russian exports can be replaced by Iran, the OPEC nations and U.S. shale. Global crises in energy markets have formed for upsetting the international economy, as well as triggering lasting change. The long post-war boom was brought to a head when action by the OPEC cartel led to a quadrupling of crude oil prices in late 1973. There were echoes of that last week, when Brent crude rose above $130 a barrel within sight of its record high of $147 a barrel, reached in 2008. Ellerian says there was a chance of stagflation a combination of rapidly rising prices and weak growth in the global economy even before the Russian invasion. Now stagflation has become the baseline and a global recession has become the risk scenario he adds. Russia is no stranger to economic crises. The shock treatment administered by the International Monetary Fund and other multilateral bodies after the demise of the Soviet Union was brutal. Output fell consistently until the middle of the 1990s, unemployment peaked at almost 14%, and rising alcoholism and suicides led to a sharp fall in male life expectancy. A debt default in 1998 sent ripples through global financial markets leading to the collapse of the US hedge fund long-term capital management. The economy has been through three phases since the collapse of communism, according to Holger Schmiding, chief economist at Berenberg Bank. An initial period of rapid but often disorderly change gave way to progress from the late 1990s onwards. Following other post-socialist countries. Russia started to build closer links with the wider European and global economy, helped by a surge in oil prices. In a third phase, global isolation has set in since the 2014 annexation of Crimea, pushing Moscow to focus on self-dependence and a fortress Russia economic policy to guard against Western sanctions. The only problem economists say, is that the road to autarky is rarely a recipe for sustained success. Step by step, it is starting to resemble some features of the late Soviet Union of the Brezhnev era an underperforming petroeconomy with an oversized military sector says Schmidding. Away from oil, Russia is vital for rare-earth minerals and agricultural products such as wheat, corn and sunflower oil. Together Russia and Ukraine account for a quarter of the world's wheat exports, prices have surged by more than 50 per cent as the bready of the world grapples with war. Some developing countries will find they are paying the price. Russia supplies Egypt, with a population in excess of 100 million, with 85 per cent of its wheat imports while as much as 90% of Lebanon's wheat and cooking oil imports come from Ukraine and Russia. For the UK, surging oil prices are already hitting motorists hard, driving pump prices of both unleaded petrol and diesel to record highs last week. Although the UK gets as little as 5% of its gas and 10% of its oil from Russia meaning a phasing out of supplies is unlikely to lead to shortages soaring gas prices on wholesale markets will add to the cost of living squeeze. Chancellor Rishi Sunak is coming under pressure to boost support for households in his spring statement on 23 March. High inflation is expected to result in the biggest annual fall in living standards since at least the 1970s costing the average household at least £1,000 a year as pay fails to keep pace with prices. Gerard Lyons, chief economic strategist at the wealth management company NetWealth, says, I don't think a recession for the UK can be ruled out, even though it is not the most likely scenario. Squeezing Putin's financial power could encourage Russia to build closer ties with China. With the payments system, and central banks' power to intervene in currency markets, snarled by sanctions, turning to the Chinese yuan and payment networks overseen by Beijing could prove attractive. However, experts believe there may be reluctance in both countries for a Sino-Russian pact pipelines and other infrastructure for large-scale exports of oil and gas eastwards are not in place, while there could be repercussions for Beijing if it helps Russia evade extensive and coordinated Western sanctions. They will be pushed closer to China, but that's very uncomfortable for Russia without the balancing relationship with the West and access to Western finance and technologies. That underlines the weakness of the Russian system says Locke. My view is this will fatally undermine his position. He's brought a form of destruction upon Russia because the economic impact is going to be so great. There is just no justification for it. It's an extraordinary miscalculation. And one with repercussions far beyond Russia. Russian spy chiefs under house arrest as Putin turns on his security chiefs over invasion setback. A Russian spy chief and his deputy have been placed under house arrest by Vladimir Putin as the president blames his security services for the resistance met in Russia's invasion of Ukraine, it has been claimed. According to a leading expert on the Russian security services, Sergei Besida, head of the FSB's foreign intelligence branch, was arrested along with his deputy, Anatoly Boliuk. Andrei Soldatov, who is co-founder and editor of Agent UR, a watchdog of the Russian secret services activities, revealed that sources inside the FSB have confirmed the detention of both men. The arrests were further corroborated by Vladimir Osekin an exiled Russian human rights activist who also added that the FSB officers had carried out searches at over 20 addresses in Moscow of colleagues suspected to be speaking with journalists. Mr Osekkin told The Times that while the formal grounds of the arrests were made on accusations of embezzlement of funds, he said the real reason is unreliable, incomplete and partially false information about the political situation in Ukraine. A Western official was aware of the arrests of both men but could not confirm them, but said that if the claims of arrest are true, it would signal Putin's concern about the FSB's role in the military campaign and may lead to major changes at senior level in the FSB. Mr Soldatov told The Times that the final reports produced by the FSB in the lead-up to the invasion of Ukraine and their assessment of how much resistance was expected were terribly miscalculated. The author and editor added that the intelligence may have gathered good intelligence, but the problem lies in the difficulty faced by Russian superiors to tell Putin what he doesn't want to hear so they tailor their information. It comes as Putin's military operation enters its third week and despite significant civilian casualties, Ukraine continues to hold its own against Russia's forces. As of March 9, Ukraine's armed forces estimate that approximately 12,000 Russian troops have been killed while three Russian generals were assassinated within a week. Major General Vitaly Asimov Chief of Staff of the 41st Army, M.A.J. Gen. Andrei Sukhovatsky, Commanding General of the Russian 7th Airborne Division and a Deputy Commander of the 41st Combined Arms Army, and M.A.J. Gen. Andrei Kolesnikov, the Commander of the Eastern Military District were all killed in the invasion. The death of M.A.J. Gen Kolesnikov means as many Russian major generals have been killed in two weeks than during the entire Syrian civil war, in which Putin helped prop up Bashar al-Assad's regime. Woman who was found two years after she died was discovered next to deflated Pink Party balloons. A South London woman who was dead for two years in her flat before anyone noticed was discovered next to Pink Party balloons. Medical Secretary Sheila Silioan, was found on her sofa after her balcony door swung open following Storm Eunice, the Daily Mail reports. The 61 year old S skeletal body lay next to deflated pink party balloons according to her neighbour Ms Bent, who lived in the same corridor on the fourth floor of the block in Lord's Court, Peckham. The well-put-together residence bank account continued to drain from the time of her death as she continued to pay council tax and bills until payments eventually defaulted. Pathologists are working to understand how she died after vanishing in 2019 but presume that she died alone in Peabody Trust's Flat 16. The medical secretary's sister Julia Bella Brooms, who she had never met, was informed of her death. After being traced in South Africa, she questioned why no one had known what had become of her. Speaking to the Daily Mail she said, where were Sheila's neighbors? Where were her work colleagues? People from the local municipality? Her landlord? This could never happen in South Africa. Here, when your neighbor isn't seen, even for one or two days, you go to check up on them. We live as a community. This is too much. Awful. I don't understand how anyone could pass away and be left for so long. Sheila's neighbors say that although they had greeted the 61 year old in passing, it was just a hi, by relationship. A young woman who lived opposite Sheila said, she was always well put together and wore a smart black coat, black trousers, and black court shoes with her hair tied in a bun. But I didn't really speak to her. It was more just, hi and bye. Residents living in the same corridor as Sheila had made complaints to Housing Association Peabody Trust about the odor emanating from her home in 2019. After disappearing for a while the horrendous smell came back in waves forcing neighbours to call Housing Association Peabody who reportedly opened the hallway window and that was it. Residents also claim they called police who knocked on the door but did not force entry in 2021. The woman's body was found inside her flat on the sofa on Friday, 18 February, with neighbour Aisha Smith telling My London that a police officer said they found a skeleton on the sofa. A year later Peabody asked the Metropolitan Police to do a welfare check which the trust's record stated that the police reported back they had spoken to the resident and that she is safe and well. Following the report, Peabody closed the case on the 22nd of October 2020. Speaking to the Daily Mail the trust's chief executive, Ian McDermott said, We are all devastated by what has happened. Quite rightly, everyone wants answers, and so do we. Clearly, looking back, the red flags were there. It should have been obvious to us that Sheila had either abandoned the property or something was very wrong. Even with the challenges of lockdowns, we should have done better. The Met would only say it was aware of the trust's claims, and was working to establish what messages were relayed after officers attended this location. One resident living right below the woman's flat told My London they had maggots come through the windows in the summer of 2019, claiming that Peabody told her were not dealt with by pest control. She claimed she first called police after hearing the dead woman's balcony door crashing open and closed in October 2021. Then as Storm Eunice hit London last week the door began violently swinging again. After knocking herself, and with Peabody reportedly taking no action, she alerted police who came shortly after 7pm. Bills and final demands continued to fill up Sheila's post box, decorators touched up the paint on her door and left her doormat against but no one questioned why. The 61-year-old who appeared to have no friends who cared to check in continued to lay in her home alone until police burst in on 18 February 2022. According to the Daily Mail, police have described her death as not suspicious. Sheila's sister Julia has asked for her body to be flown to South Africa where she will be buried in the family plot with her mother. A spokesperson for Peabody told My London at the time, We are saddened to learn that our resident has passed away. Our dedicated tenant and family support team carry out regular welfare checks with people who may be vulnerable. We did make repeated attempts to check on the resident and liaised with the police to try and make contact. We are offering support to neighboring residents who will understandably be upset, and our teams are there today. We are working closely with the authorities and will investigate all of the circumstances and actions taken in this case. We hope that you have enjoyed our podcast. We thank you for your support. We hope to see you again next time.